Good to be with you tonight. We are in a series that we're calling the Reclamation Project, and we are uh, reclaiming the love of Christ in the land of counterfeits. A lot of us are feeling like we are in a political and spiritual crisis in this country, and I think you can't watch the news and see what's going on and not feel at least a little bit of that. Seems to me that um, Christians and Jesus get further and further apart. And so we're looking at eight questions in this series trying to find our way back to Jesus, to remind ourselves who the person of Jesus was and is and um, what he taught and practiced. A couple weeks ago, uh, Matt, or Mark as I like to call him sometimes, Matt Matt kicked us off with on the question of truth, the truth question. And he talked about this idea that Jesus came to name the thing behind the thing. And that Jesus calls us to be truth tellers. And that it takes courage to tell the truth because when we tell the truth, it involves change. And the other piece that goes along with that is that We, as Jesus followers, have to be testifiers to the truth. Last week we had Nakimi. Thank you, Mark. Last week we had Nakimi leave. (laughs) Now I'm really thrown. Okay. Dr. (laughs) Levy Pounds, Armstrong, was with us. She was awesome. And she talked on the power question. And what Nakima said was that the power that we have within us is not from something in the world, but it's something that's given to us through the Holy Spirit. And then when we lean into that, when we listen to the Holy Spirit, we're filled with a power that gives us courage and confidence to see something and say something and do something. And that's a game changer. And tonight, we're looking at the image question. And the question for us, and it sounds like a simple one, but it's such an important one, is who bears the image of God. We're going to go back to the beginning, and we're in Genesis 1, 26 through 27. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. I love that idea of us all being image bearers. And I see that so clearly when we look at babies. Patty, you want to throw up, if you know what's going on in the Manning household, we've got lots of new babies coming our way. And a couple weeks ago, this little girl was born, Nellie Catherine Manning. Um, came into our lives. She joined, if you want to show the next one, Patty, our, her little cousin, Samantha Jane, who's four months old. And I'll tell you, when I look at those two little baby girls, I see nothing but the image of God and all the hope and promise and purity. All those beautiful, beautiful things. By the way, Grandma is making sure that they start building community early on because it's so important to the life of faith. That's what those little girls are doing. So who's created in the image of God? Each and every one of us. I want to introduce you to one of these little people. This little, hello, Sam. This little baby girl, Samantha Jane. Say hello. Four months old. We also call her Minnie Jake because she looks just like her dad. (laughs) 
But I was thinking about this cute little peanut, and I was thinking about the idea of Imago Dei, Latin for image of God. The foundation of everything we hold in human rights and equity and dignity. It's about how we see and treat all people, no matter ethnicity or race or gender or sexual orientation, no matter who they are or how they worship or who they love. We all carry the full image of God within us. And here's what I love about this little girl. Gosh, isn't she just a fortunate little girl? Born into a family that loves her, this beautiful family. And I thought, man, she's really going to carry the full image of God with all those um, benefits. She'll be welcome into anything. And then I started thinking, well, actually, she is a female. And even though her mama and her is going to be a doctor, her aunt is a doctor. This little girl in the system we live in right now actually might not have all the opportunities that her big cousin Soren might have. Because right down the road where there's some really amazing flourishing churches, she wouldn't be allowed to preach because she's a female. I would say that that's assault, an assault on the image of God. And then I started thinking, what if this little girl grows up in all her fullness of God, and what if she falls in love with another woman? What if that's who God created her to be? Would she be welcomed into every community of God? Would she have all the opportunities that straight people have in the world? And then I was thinking, I'm not sure. And then I was thinking, what if this little girl's skin was a beautiful dark brown color? Would the system treat her just like it will treat her cousin Nellie or her cousin Soren? And I realized, no. Because... Although we lean on this core doctrine that's foundational to our faith and the Muslim faith and the Jewish faith that all people are created in the image of God. We actually have trouble as a culture, as a church, living that out. There you go, baby Sam. Let go of your grandma's hair. All right. She did great, though. Oh, my gosh. Let's give it up for her. But here's the thing, how we treat people is not just a moral decision or a theological matter, it is a Jesus matter. Jesus' incarnation, fully human, fully divine, his entire life and ministry come directly from God's creation of human beings as full image bearers. The love that Jesus embodied and taught, it's a direct consequence of each and every person being a beloved child of God. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That means we are all equal. We are all brothers and sisters. We are all in this together. And that is the truth of our faith. It's Jesus who ties it together. Because it's Jesus that's the word. It's Jesus who was there in the beginning. And in John 1, 1 through 4, Scripture tells us this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the, and the Word was with God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. 
And it's only when we go back to the beginning that we recognize it as image bearers and Jesus followers that what we say and what we do in our personal lives and our political ones, that it matters, that it makes a difference. And that we as a community, we are called to remind each other, we're called to remember what's at stake when God's image is being denigrated, when his image is being discarded and devalued. Jim Wallace, he is a pastor, a political activist, editor-in-chief of Sojourners. He says this. Indeed, when one people decides to have dominion, not just over the creation, but over other people, it is an assault to, on the creator, which attempts to overturn the purposes of God. Therefore, racism and other forms of human oppression based in an identity are not simply morally wrong. They are sins against God, and they must be named as such. You know, it's funny. This is risky because I'm going off my, my text. It's always risky. I think part of the difficulty in this message, which sounds like a simple one, right? I am guessing that so far people are with me on this. Hard to imagine that you wouldn't be. But I think the really hard piece of this is that so often from up front, we're just a little bit afraid to push too far. We're a little bit afraid to use language like sin and repentance. But maybe a time like this calls for it. Because you know what? It's a sin. Racism is a sin. Homophobia is a sin. Misogyny is a sin. And maybe we need to just start calling it what it is within the church. Sin against God, and it must be named. Because any time that we deny the dignity, the worth of people that God created, it is an assault on the image of God. So we probably agree. We can probably imagine people groups that have been devalued, denigrated, discarded, Maybe we've been part of those groups at different times in our culture and even in the church. And I think we could name those things. Misogyny, homophobia, racism, white supremacy, white nationalism, white privilege. Make America great again. Send her home. Separate them at the border. Those are all fundamental violations of the image of God. And we need to call them that. Because at any time that we point to the other, that we hold power and prejudice together, that we marginalize, that we dehumanize, that we might benefit from, it's an assault on God and it's antithetical to Jesus Christ. I often think of a litmus test, of full, I, and I think of it in terms of full citizenship. I think it's a good question to ask. And I think often of my brothers and sisters in the LGBTQ community, because I've been in spaces, I've worked at places that, um, and I've heard lots of stories. You are welcome. You are welcome to be part of our faith community. And then people get involved and they open themselves up vulnerably and they find out, yep, they are, but not as a full citizen, because can't be in leadership, can't get married here. And I would challenge us and say, that is an assault on the image of God. 
But here's the thing. This might seem like a message, yep, we've heard before. But this is where it gets hard. This is where it gets hard for me. Because I think there are places where we don't see it. I think sometimes some of us quietly benefit when other people are marginalized, are powered down on. And sometimes there's this little feeling that, well, it's not my problem. It's someone else's problem. And that's an easy space to fall into. I was thinking back on an experience I had. Actually, Matt was there, and there's probably some other people in this room that were there. And It was a Sankofa trip a few years back. We partnered with um, some African-American folks in North Minneapolis, and we each had a partner that we sat with on a four-day bus trip through the South, through the civil rights, um, different marking moments. We watched documentaries the whole way on um, Jim Crow, slavery, incarceration, lynching, things I um, wasn't fully aware of. But I realized my own privilege. I realized my own um, maybe being a bit of an accomplice, accomplice to what was going on and the fact that I was so unaware of some of the stuff that went on. As I sat with Kia, my partner for the trip, um, we were watching a documentary on a lynching of a young guy, Emmett Till. I'd never seen it. I didn't know much about lynchings. And as we sat there, my heart broke. I was sad. But as I looked at Kia and as she sobbed in her bus seat, in that moment I realized I don't get it. I have never got it. I always thought, gosh, I'm one of those people that I'm nice to everyone. I would never not be kind to every single person. I'm not racist. And as I looked at Kia, I realized for the first time my own privilege, my own wonderful life, simply because our skin color was different, simply because of this horrible history that in some way I was a part of and allowing it to happen and being silent and sitting in my own comfort. And I got to tell you, it was a hard place to be. I was confused, uncomfortable, and it was probably a good thing. But on that trip, I think a lot of us learned about our own privilege, about our own silence. And I think when the rubber meets the road, I was thinking about what Nikema said last week, and we lean into that, that it's only with the help through the Holy Spirit that we can tap into that power within us for the courage to take a really good, honest look and to maybe take one step further into this whole thing. Because I was so aware that I was so lost. And I think this silence, often a white Christian silence, maybe a straight person's silence, maybe a man's silence, it's dangerous. And at the end of the day, it separates us from God. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, Christian theologian, scholar, he said this, silence in the face of evil 
is itself evil. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. And I'll tell you what, friends. Silence means we share the responsibility when others don't have the freedom and equality and the privileges that a lot of us have. So here's the question. How do we break that silence? How do we lean in? How do we come to terms with some of the lies maybe that we've all carried? With the sin, with the ideology, with the idols that have at the end of the day have crippled us. And here's where I've landed. It's about repentance. Maybe where we start is repentance. And I want to be clear that repentance isn't just about feeling bad. It's not even about being outraged. But here's the thing. Repentance is about turning around. It's about going a whole nother direction and that you, a direction you never dreamed you'd be going. Repentance ends up being about a decisive change in direction. It's a decisive change in mind that leads to a change in thought, that leads to a change in feelings, that leads to a change in values, that actually leads to a change in the way that we live our life. That's how repentance works. And repentance for us, is actually turning away from what's wrong and turning towards what's right. It's turning away from evil and turning toward God. That's what repentance is about for us. And it needs to happen on a systematic level. It needs to happen on a big C level. It needs to happen for us on an individual level. Because our reality is this. Jesus cannot be reclaimed if we don't make the choice to live by the truth that all people, all people are image bearers of God. So we name it. We name the racism and the homophobia and the sexism and the misogyny. We name all those things, anything that throws away Imago Day, Because we cannot repent from it if we don't name it. So here's our question to leave with. Is everything I'm doing rooted in the image of God? In the words of Dr. King, where do we go from here? An activist, uh, co-host of the Liturgist podcast, he does some work for Sojourners, William Matthews, he says this. Show up. Don't be quiet, show up. And if you mess up in that process, you're still loved. Keep showing up. If you don't say the right thing, that's all right. It's not even about saying the right thing. It's about the attempt to show up, to stand for people, to openly encourage, and also push back on all that stuff. He says, I think that's real practical. Our common ground, friends, that's our common ground. We are all created in the image of God and everything we say and do should come out of that reality and that truth. You know, I was thinking about this whole idea of repentance and I was thinking about that Sankofa trip that I told you about. And on that trip um, was Chris Nielsen, uh, 
member of this community who passed away a little over a year ago. And Chris and Kathy are people that are, in my mind, so far ahead, certainly of where I've been in this, evolving and seeing um, where God is and how he's calling them. And they had moved from their home in Edina and opened up, a, renovated a place in North Minneapolis that they've opened up and they've built community with people that look different than them and just done amazing things. And Chris and Kathy were on this trip. And I remember at the end of the trip, we had an opportunity to stand, remember this mat in the, middle of the bus aisle and just reflect on things we learned and toward the end of the trip Chris Nielsen got up and he took the mic and with tears streaming down his face he apologized he apologized to his African-American brothers and sisters for his white privilege for the way he'd benefited for what he hadn't seen what he's starting to see And that moment was such a holy moment, such an eye-opener for me, something I'd never experienced. It was the beginning of a change for me, and I imagine so many other people on the bus that night. But that's what repentance means. This is ask for forgiveness and a turning and changing direction. I wanted to ask... I'm asking for some bravery and courage. If you identify as part of the LGBTQ plus community, would you mind standing? You won't stand alone, I promise. If you identify as a female, would you mind standing? If you identify as a person of color, would you mind standing? I think this is a good place to start because I think there probably isn't a person in this room that hasn't heard a message somewhere along the way in their life that their value is not completely equal to maybe that of a straight man, that their worth is maybe just a little bit less. I imagine that there's been some hurt in this room and I want to say from the bottom of our heart that I am sorry. Because the truth that we will stand in as a community following Jesus Christ is that all people are full image bearers of our God. And I would love to pray over you guys. Holy God, I thank you for who you are and how you work in the world. God, you have created each and every one of us in your image. And you call us all to be part of bringing your beautiful, diverse community together. God, we know that we need the power of your Holy Spirit to continue to work in us as we take the next step, as we go a little deeper, as we try to figure out what it means to see you in each and every person that we encounter. God, we are grateful for this truth. We are grateful that we are your beloved children. Help us to rest in that truth, God. Help us to be the community that you call us to be. And we lift it all up to you and we pray it in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen.
Well, you, that, you guys, I think uh, it's a good place to end, but I did want to just say that last verse, not the last verse, the fifth verse in that John 1 passage. Patty, you want to throw that up there? There's great hope. There's great hope. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. And here's the light, you guys. It's in you. Because I look around this room, and I see the people that have stepped into these spaces, and I invite you all to take that next step. I invite you. Come join us at Women at the Table. Come join men at the table as they look at toxic masculinity. Come join our queer folk at the table. Jump in. They're going to be doing amazing things at the Pride Parade this year, and they would love any of your help. I look around at Tammy Moberg and see what she's doing at Quincy House. And Julie, what you do at Amplify, at Amplify Ministries and Kathy Nielsen with Lions, Inc. And I think about all these spaces and places that are trying to create places for people to flourish. There's a lot of hope, you guys. There's a lot of amazing things going on. So together, if you guys have thoughts, ideas, things that, places that you'd like this community to go, please let Matt and I know because we're trying to figure it out too along with you all. So there you go. I'll have Matt come up for words. Thank you, Debbie, for that word. Appreciate it. On the night before Christ's death, he gathered with his friends and he had a meal with them and he grabbed the loaf of bread that was sitting at the center of the table and he lifted it up and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. And what a wide you that was. At the center of our Christian faith is this core conviction that um, in those words, Jesus permanently sets out to remind us that people are worth dying for, that the image of God is worth defending, worth intervening on behalf of. Jesus broke the bread and he said, whenever you guys get together again, take this and do this in remembrance of me. And then he lifted a cup of wine. He said, this is my blood. The blood poured out for the new covenant, a bigger and better reality, the good news in a bad news world. When you guys get together, drink from this cup and remember me. And so we do that here at the table. Uh, together we have different stations where you can rip off a piece of bread and dip it into the cup and partake in that ritual reminder of who Jesus is and who Jesus calls us to be. There will be gluten-free elements on the sides, gluten-full elements to, no, gluten-free center, gluten-full sides. Um, but before we do that, will you please stand with me and can we say the Lord's Prayer together? Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.